Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. While you are there, you can learn more about who we are as a church, see the time and locations of our weekend gatherings, and see the different reoccurring ministries that happen on a weekly basis. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. Welcome once again to Crosspoint Community Church. We're so glad that each and every one of you are here with us. Uh, my name is Kyle. I'm the high school pastor here at Crosspoint. Uh, but you may notice I'm joined uh, by a bunch of my friends up here this morning. And uh, what we're doing today is pretty different than what we usually do. Uh, but we are, uh, have been working on this series called Let's Talk, where we've been taking time to talk through some issues, some things that we deal with, we walk through as Christians, um, but maybe don't get the chance to talk to a ton, or talk about a ton within the church, either because we're, we're afraid or uh, we just don't know what that means for us, whatever the case may be, or maybe it's just uncomfortable. Um, and last week, we began uh, this chunk of the series that we're going to be spending three weeks on, uh, all surrounding anxiety. Anxiety, depression, like some of those things that exist in so many of our lives, but oftentimes we don't really know what to do. Um, maybe we've heard like one kind of method of dealing with anxiety. Maybe we've heard uh, a very like hyper-spiritual approach. Maybe we've heard like a completely like worldly approach. And we're kind of like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, how am I supposed to walk through this? And last week, Matt did a fantastic job and stole like everything. Uh, but he did a fantastic job like really laying out clearly uh, what our role is as followers of Jesus when it comes to anxiety. And uh, I actually just went on the website pulled up his notes and copy and pasted them right into this notebook so that it was really clear because he just said it so, so good um, just so that we can all kind of have a foundation to build off of what we're going to spend time uh, doing and experiencing today. And so he kind of he kind of laid out this great foundation for us and he put it like this, God's desire for your life is not to live in bondage to anxiety, but to be transformed, reflecting the mind and heart of Jesus. We believe that fully. The whole story of scripture is about that. It applies to everything in our life, including our relationship with anxiety. He said it like this, I want us all right now to be clear that the Bible's holistic, functional view of humanity implies that we should stand against anxiety using the tools that address all aspects of our personhood. And he kind of went through and he talked about that, medication to address the brain, psychology to address the mind and emotions, Bible and spiritual habits to address the spirit. And this is what he ended, ended with, and this is, a, this is just a great statement to keep in our heads as we talk this morning. As followers of Jesus, we are responsible to cultivate a Christian approach to anxiety, and in that pursuit, we may also include the study of extra-biblical knowledge that supplements and does not contradict Scripture. Anxiety is a complicated thing. Last week, I think, made that very, very clear. Anxiety is a complicated thing, but there is a way forward for people who are surrendered to Jesus. Uh, we believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is our peace. In fact, in John chapter 14, he says this in no uncertain terms. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. They just had a conversation about how the spirit was gonna come and inhabit the life of believers. And so he says, peace I leave with you. My spirit, which I am leaving you, is peace. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. But oftentimes the living out of that truth can be really difficult. It can be really complicated. And a lot of us have varying degrees of relationship with how to live out Jesus being our peace. 
What can so often uh, be this, the situation, I find, is that we as people, we tend to live in extremes. I, I, I talk about this with my students all the time. Uh, we tend to either fall in one camp or the other. We, we, we are on the pendulum swing from one side to the other. And I think there's lots of reasons for that. One being, if you fall into a camp, at least there's other people there, you know. Um, this other side might not like you, but at least there's people on your side. Um, and I think with most things in our life, and I think including uh, this issue of anxiety, that's what we tend to do maybe as Christians. Um, we fall into one extreme or the other. Either we fall into the ex- extreme of saying it's a completely like spiritual issue, you just need to pray more, you need to have more faith, you need to memorize more scripture. If you just do that, then you can be rid of this. Or we swing on the other side and say, hey, it's a, it's a physiological issue. You just need the right medication. You just need to balance the chemicals in your brain just right. You just need counseling and talk it through, and then, then you'll be able to get past this. But I think it's important for us to embrace, if you will, with me this morning, um, that most of the time, in fact, maybe all the time, Jesus doesn't live in extremes. He offers a different way, not even a middle way, just a different way. Um, he does this all throughout his ministry. He says, you've heard it said this, but do this. You've heard it talked about in this way, but act this way. And I think the same is true in anxiety. He's calling us not to live in extremes, but instead to to walk the Jesus way. And I'm really excited to be able to introduce to you um, some people here who I believe through our conversation, um, I'm so sold on this, they are walking the Jesus way when it comes to their varying uh, relationships with anxiety. And I think it's, a, it's an awesome opportunity for them to share some of their story and some of the things they've learned, some of the, of the things they've walked through with us as a church. Uh, as, we, as we've been thinking, as I've been thinking through this and as, as we've met and as we've talked and as I've tried to figure out, okay, how do we want to, to frame this? How, how do we want to package this so that's helpful to our church family? My mind kept being drawn back to Revelation chapter 12. And there's this like massive like spiritual battle in Revelation chapter 12. We're not going to get into it. There's lots of interpretations of it. But there's this like massive spiritual battle. And uh, verse 10 says this, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come down. This is beautiful, this next part. Who, uh, For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. It's talking about the devil, the accuser. Anyone in here who's ever been touched by anxiety can, can identify with the devil being an accuser, can't we? He's the accuser. But here's what it says. Here's how the people overcame. And they have conquered him. Other translations say overcome by the blood of the lamb, first and foremost. Like peace comes through the peace that Jesus created through the giving up of his life so that you and I could have a relationship with God so that we could be forgiven of our sins so that we can have a new life and a life that continually transforms us till our last, the last breath leaves our lungs. First and foremost, they've overcome him by the blood of the lamb. And the second part is this, and by the word of their testimony. In a very real way, what we get to hear today is, is these people's testimony. And there's power in telling of how Jesus has changed us and, and the practical, sometimes seemingly unspiritual ways that Jesus has changed us and given us a clear picture of what it means to live for him. And so um, I'm really excited to have these folks up here. Uh, we'll introduce them to you here in just a moment, but would you just take a minute and, and pray with me for these people? Um, the irony is not lost on me that we're having some people speak to the issue of anxiety, and then I throw them on a stage in front of like a couple thousand people. 
Irony's not lost on me, but they have done a fantastic job communicating what's going on inside of them and as they continue to submit this to Jesus. So would you just pray with me, and then we'll get into some of their stories. Jesus, thank you so much. God, thank you so much for these people who are willing to share how you've changed them, how you're continuously working in their lives. Thank you for their willingness to share something that oftentimes is just easier to keep in the dark or keep inside. Um, Lord, there's all kinds of risk in doing what they're doing. And so, Lord, I'm really grateful that they're willing to. Um, I I believe it shows their full surrender and dependence on you, God. And, Lord, I just pray that as we sit and as we listen and as we are confronted by your Holy Spirit, God, uh, for some of the things maybe that we're holding back or some of the ways that we can step in uh, to benefit other people when it comes to their anxiety, Lord, we just pray that we would um, be open to it, that we would listen to your word this morning, God, and that we would walk out of this place looking more like you than when we came in. We love you in your awesome name. Amen. All right, so I have talked enough, and we're going to get, we're gonna get uh, these guys talking and sharing some of what God has been doing in their lives as it, as it relates to like, their relationship with anxiety. But this, here's the cool thing. Not everyone up here's relationship with anxiety is exactly the same. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll start down on the end with Jeff. And uh, why don't we just have you guys introduce yourselves and just give just kind of a short snippet of like, this is kind of my relationship with anxiety. Then we'll circle back around and we'll flesh it out a little bit as we go, okay? Uh, thank you, Kyle. Um, my name is Jeff Bradshaw, and I've been here at uh, Cross Point First Baptist uh, since 1983 when I became a Christian. My relationship really starts when I was a small child, not that I had it, but my mother was actually institutionalized, and they were going to do a frontal lobotomy on her, and a family psychologist or whatever told my dad to tell her, get out of there. So she acted her way out, but she struggled with this for many, many years, and my brother in his young adulthood uh, suffered with anxiety and depression uh, so severely. He was a pastor. He lost his pastorate and he lost his wife. Um, He could hardly get out of bed, and sometimes didn't. Mine mine really kicked in, would kick in when I particularly would have job issues. Uh, The type of work I'm in, sometimes you lose your job, whether it's your fault or not. And I wasn't really prepared for that, and so I had some issues, and it would kick in, and when the problem was resolved, it would go away. So I was good. I wasn't you know, I wasn't like my mother and my brother. And later I found out my cousin, my uncle, my grandfather, you know, it just went on and on. But then one time I was in that same boat and I was handling it pretty well, but over time it just wore me out and on came the uh, anxiety. I felt like I wasn't doing well in interviews, which for a sales job is really bad. Um, And I ended up getting another job, things were fine, and it did not go away. I was still in a panic most of the time, could not sleep, which only made matters worse. And so uh, at the urging of my mother, I finally went and sought some help. I saw a counselor one day and my medical doctor the next day and did, after really just a few weeks, felt a lot better and functioned and things continued to get better and stayed that way for 10 years until really because of some side effects um, that are, some are common with uh, the medication that I was on, and one, every doctor who hears this will tell me I'm wrong, um, it can also cause a lot of weight gain. Uh, but I can tell you it's not just me. There's a ton, pun intended, of evidence out there 
to, to back me up. And your eyes are backing you up right now, uh, backing me up. <clears throat> and uh, so I went off, and I did well for about nine months. And then there was a little hiccup at work, and some other things happened, and it went bad again. And I went back on the med, and here's the kicker. It didn't work. So it, it kind of worked, kind of didn't, and it's been a year now of refining things to get things back where they need to be. And so that's, along with the spiritual and the emotional and uh, all the other support systems, but that's been the thing that, uh, you know, that, so I guess I'm on one end of the spectrum. Yeah, so I think that represents a, a not unique, but maybe different way of thinking about anxiety than maybe that a lot of us have is that it was brought on by, like, circumstance, by, by situation, but it wasn't something that just went away after the situation had resolved. And there was a need um, not to just make it through whatever was going on, but there was a need to look a little deeper about what needed to happen for you to move forward. Thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, Josh and Tally, you're like a, you're like a duo, you're a team, yeah. but uh, feel free to, to kind of share. They have a couple uh, different perspectives um, in their relationship with anxiety. Yeah, so I'm Josh. Um, I actually work here at Crosspoint with Kyle, so thanks for having me on this panel. It's one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> Josh is never sarcastic, as you can tell. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, so uh, we, my process or my, like, journey of anxiety has kind of involved just in relationship with my wife. Um, we got married, like, 10 years ago, right? Almost 11. And so <clears throat> kind of in the, it, it, it kind of has all just been this process of since knowing Tally and kind of walking through what she's um, been going through. She'll probably dive into that more. Um, but just it's been like a, my role has just been in the support of someone that kind of struggles with, you know, anxiety um, in different ways. Um, so it really has been a, a journey of like not knowing what the heck I'm doing and not being prepared for any of it, kind of just getting thrown into it um, and and saying a lot of wrong things, um, yeah, and then learning to try to just not talk as much, um, <laughs> because you can just never say the right thing, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but <clears throat> my... You have learned, Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, just basically walking through this process with my wife, and just kind of, what does it look like for a spouse? Yeah, and I think that that's a really important voice for us to hear because maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, man, I don't, I don't necessarily have a great grasp on what it means to be like stopped up by anxiety or like it's, it's affecting my life in a great degree. I don't know that experience, but hands down, you have a child or a spouse or a coworker or a friend, someone that like as Christians we're called to be like family to, right? And so sometimes we can be more hurtful than helpful in that. Um, and so I think that's an awesome voice to have in the conversation as well. I'm Tally, Josh's wife. And um, about eight or nine years ago, so it was after we had gotten married, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, which Matt mentioned last week. And before my diagnosis, um, Similar to Jeff, I have memories from the point when I was three on of um, very intense fear um, that was debilitating that I didn't know what to do with. Um, and growing up, my parents were awesome and supportive and 
um, did all that they could to rule out like physical reasons for my anxiety, such as hypoglycemia, um, heart issues, because I was experiencing symptoms that um, line up with those diagnoses. And um, so my parents were proactive. Um, however, um, I think we didn't really uncover, and I think this is common, like that a diagnosis is not made um, until your teens or even early adulthood because there's so much going on just developmentally. Um, and also for me, I think there was an element of denial and um, shame. Um, and so Josh really helped me, um, A, like be grateful that I, I don't have hypoglycemia, I don't have a heart condition, even though I had so many symptoms that pointed toward those things. Um, but the root cause of all of what I experience is anxiety and um, this actual disorder, which is just means, I, I liken it to like a smoke detector, yeah, smoke detector. Um, mine doesn't work well. It goes off when it doesn't need to, um, and it's been a process to retrain it. Um, and I'll get into more of um, when anxiety became more profoundly disruptive in my life, but um, Josh kind of downplayed his role <laughs> in my life, but it's, he has been um, the best teammate for me um, and extremely helpful um, in helping me come to grips with um, who I am and um, kind of helping me reconcile like this is a struggle that I still have even though I hate it and and what is the way forward yeah and I think that that's that's a boat I think a lot of us in here probably could find ourselves in where it's like this has been something that's maybe been a part of your life for a long time you weren't exactly sure like what to call it maybe um I think Matt talked a little bit last week how like there has been like a lessening of like the stigma of anxiety and mental health, which is awesome. And if we're being honest, sometimes traditionally the church hasn't done the best job of engaging in that. I think we've come a long way and we're continuing to grow in that. Um, but to be able to put a name to it and say, okay, I think, I think this is what's going on here and I can tell how this, how this affects the other things in my life. Um, that's a really, really freeing thing. I know that you brought that up as we uh, talked before. But it's something that has been a part of your life a long time, even if you didn't know necessarily what to call it. We have one more person as a part of our panel. Uh, my name is Courtney Kaufman. Um, so my voice is a little, a little different, but I will start by saying everyone deals with anxiety on some level, and that's, I think, something powerful. So I'm a marriage and family therapist. I work for Youth for Christ. I lead our team of therapists there at, Min at Family Concern Counseling. Um, and I've been in the mental health field for more than 10 years, which feels really weird to say because I don't know if I'm old enough for that, but somehow I am. Um, but I, I think for me, anxiety has looked like stress that starts to just get out of control. And I think that what we have to recognize is that mental health issues, they're all normal emotions. Depression, right? It's sadness, but blown out of proportion. And anxiety is the same, right? The fear is, is a good thing in a lot of situations, but um, it can become really debilitating. And I think we all can get to that point, all of us, at different times. I think for me personally, 
Um, my work, my history of work is working a lot with people who've been through traumatic experiences. And so a lot of times um, we develop anxiety out of a space of being really profoundly hurt and our safety being threatened. And so then we are fearful of everything. Um, and so for me, keeping myself in a regulated place so that I can facilitate helping others to do so um, is really important. Yeah, and so based off of like these four people, I doubt there's a single person in the room who can't relate on some level, right? Like whatever your relationship is with anxiety, maybe you have people in your life you wanna help, maybe like you feel like you've been thrust into the role of like I need to help and I need to know how to do that. Maybe you're, maybe you're wrestling with it yourself, maybe it's something that's been there a long time or something that's kinda newer to the scene. Um, there's a voice up here for each and every one and so I think that that's an important part of this is for us to be able to look up here and say, oh yeah, like me too. Like I understand what, what they're saying. Um, and, and uh, hopefully, we're going to give you some things to walk out here with to be able to, to, to give a try in your life. And so, they kind of just gave you a, a brief snapshot of their relationship with anxiety. Um, but I would love for you guys to maybe go into just a little bit more detail on, like, when it started, what it looks like for you. Um, and then, obviously, like, we want to move this conversation as you've continued to grow and, and surrender yourself over to Jesus. Like, where did it start and, like, where is it at now? And then we're going to come back and talk about, like, what it took to get there. Um, and so, Jeff, yeah, you can start us off. Well, I, I just want to uh, interject a little bit that I wish there was another word for it. Because we hear anxiety and you said there's people who, you know, everybody is. But maybe not. I mean, most of us were anxious before walking up here. And I got up here and I felt my heart beating a little faster. I took a few deep breaths and now that we're talking, I'm fine. That's anxiety. That's kind of like, okay, this is Josh. He plays hockey. And for that, I really like him, okay? Because I played a lot, I don't play anymore. But what if he decided he wanted to be bigger? So he had more power and he started taking a lot of steroids. Now you've heard the stories. The people become super aggressive and they're nasty, and they're not themselves anymore. At least I'll speak for myself. The anxiety that I experience when it is a clinical general anxiety disorder and panic attack and the other things I was diagnosed with, um, it's not the same thing. We, we talked, you joked about the fact that we're being asked to come up here and you know we have struggled. It's not the same. That's a very normal anxiety. It's actually good. It helps you do your best. In a case of a physical threat, it helps you respond properly. But imagine if you're driving down a foggy road and then at the last second you see a semi-truck coming at you in your lane. You're going to have some a panic and anxiety burst of energy, burst of uh, testosterone and um, it's the one I'm looking for. Adrenaline, thank you. And if you manage to avoid, the, that helps you avoid the truck. If you manage to avoid it, you're now tired. But go back. That peak of how you felt, keep that for a few minutes. Stay there. Now stay there for a few hours. Now stay there for days or weeks. You are exhausted all the time. That's not anxiety. The word that most people are thinking of. It's not what we had before we came up here at all. Sorry, I hijacked. I told no, you I would. I think that's great because we, I, I think people, we need to have a big, wide understanding of what this is and how specifically as people of faith, like how Jesus intersects with that. You were going to say something, Todd. Thank you for, for interjecting. Um, 
It wasn't until one of my worst fears happened, which I had a panic attack in the midst of some of my friends. It wasn't until that happened that they really understood the level of um, being so convinced that whatever impending doom is about to happen. For, it's different for each person, yeah, everything. Um, when I am in a state of dysregulation, panic attack, um, anxiety that lasts for days, I cannot grab onto rational thought. It is impossible. Um, and so when it happened, when I had a panic attack in the midst of my friends, and I was <laughs> convinced before that happened that if that ever did happen, no one would love me anymore. But that produced in them um, a deeper understanding and a compassion that couldn't have otherwise happened. Um, so thank you. And I think Tally brings up uh, a really good point that I know I would guess a lot of us feel, uh, whether it's anxiety or something else, where it's like, if, if this comes out and people see it, like, they're not going to love me, I'm not going to be accepted, uh, I'm not going to be able to move forward with them. Um, and that's one of the things that I know has been like a massive part of you guys moving forward is that understanding that there are people in your life who will hear you, see you for all that you are, and still love you. And, um, and so, like, there have been times where anxiety has maybe held a tighter grip on your life, and there's been times maybe where it's been a little bit of a looser grip. Um, I, was, I want us to kind of talk through, like, where you've come from to where you're going, and, and most importantly, because we want this to be helpful, like, if church isn't helpful, then what are we doing? Um, like, what are the things that you've put into place in your life that... Uh, spiritual, physical, that, that help you move forward in your journey with anxiety, whatever your relationship is with it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'd love to hear from some of you guys uh, about that. Go for it. Well, so I can start a little bit with, I think self-care is a word that's vastly overused, and I don't think we always think through it well, but self-care is not only comforting yourself, right? So it's not just, I always use the example of Netflix and ice cream. Right? It's not, it's not always that. But self-care is really about a holistic picture. And I think we talk a lot about, okay, what are you doing for your spiritual life? And now let's move to this box. And what are you doing for your emotional life? And now let's move to your relationships. But they're all connected, right? So in your brain, if, a sodium, if there's one too many sodium ions in a neuron, you start to experience anxiety. Like there's very physical implications of what happens in your body when things are, are emotional. Um, and so I have a clinical supervisor, had a clinical supervisor who would say that there are five things that are important when you're taking care of yourself. Sleep is number one. Sleeping enough, sleeping a good amount. Nutrition, and that includes hydration. Sometimes you're actually dehydrated and that's really the slump that you're feeling. Moving your body, dancing with your kids, walking your dog, whatever that is. Connecting with God and connecting with others. Like if you're doing those five things, that is a very good first step towards starting to learn how to cope with some of the things that are going on in your life. And other than drinking water, all of them seem like horrible things to do when you're in that state. Yes, yes. You know, you're, you're in a state of, uh, you used the exact words I have on my paper, impending doom. Yes. Now, if you're afraid that you and your family are going to suffer some major catastrophe any moment now, are you out walking the dog? Are no. you at the gym working out? Are you making sure, well, first of all, you're not getting any sleep because you can't. 
You know, so it, it's very much a vicious cycle. You can't get sleep, so you're more tired, so the anxiety and the depression get worse, and so you can't sleep. And it just keeps going. So, so specifically to Jeff and Tally then, when you know there's things you should do, right? And there's, there's physical things, there's spiritual things. I didn't prep you for this question, but it, if there's things you know you should do and yet you feel in that spot where you're like, I just, I can't do it. Like what are, what have been some things to help get you kickstarted to walk a path that like brings healing in that moment? Um, Josh and I have discussed Essentially, these five things. I think I had seven written down at one point because I got a little... One of them was like paint on a regular basis because that's something that feeds my soul. But anyways, those five things that Courtney mentioned, um, bringing Josh into that, and um, for a long time, I had those posted um, in our kitchen. And if, I, if there was a pattern developing of me being in that um, cycle of anxiety and um, panic we would kind of go over that together and see, okay, what, which one of these is off right now? Um, I mean, I have an example from yesterday, because uh, this is very much my current reality. Um, I had gone to the gym, yay, moved my body. <laughs> um, but then, you know, had done some chores at home and I just hit a wall. Um, so this was more of like the depression piece that so often goes hand in hand with anxiety. and. Um, I curled up on the couch, and I, I was just done for a little while. And Josh came in from working outside, and he was um, really gracious and was just trying to encourage me to get outside, you know, do the things that are helpful. Um, and I was just, like, internally very angry um, because... I stayed about 30 feet away. <laughs> That's one of the keys. <laughs> I was not at the always, door, you were at the couch. <laughs> depends <kidding>. on, <laughs> it depends on what's going on. Um, <laughs> um, I, I told Josh, I, I think I just need to lay here for like 10 or 15 minutes, and, and then I will get up. And he was heading out with one of our kids on an errand, and so he called me about 15 minutes later, and I got up, and I got in the Word, and I made myself a cup of decaf, and I... Um, took the next step forward. Um, but in the moment, I mean, it's not really helpful to hear, like, um, what does the Bible say about this? Or um, let's go back to what we know is true. I mean, the biggest help that Josh has said in the moment is you're not a burden. Um, and when I've been in a, in a more intense moment of physical, like, panic where my heart rate's, like, 190 and it's not coming down and um, I can't get a grip, he'll just lay down next to me. I know that's not appropriate for every friendship thing, but, you know, we got that going for us. Um. <laughs> Four kids. <laughs> um. But sometimes he has just physically like laid down next to me because there's no other way to deal in that moment going for a walk or really anything else isn't helpful. Yeah. I think like on my end of things, a lot of like the process of learning is um, like that scenario. Um, I don't handle all those perfectly, but like even more in the beginning stages or, or years ago, like, in my mind, it's kind of like, okay, we, we know what the next thing is. Let's, like, you know, you, you, you were at the gym, you know, you now 
are feeling down or something, so you're on the couch. But we know the next step needs to be like, let's just get outside, get in the sun, be with the family. But like for me, it's having to kind of as like the support system release, like what, what are my expectations or what are my timelines on that? Because like I can think clearly, okay, like go from here to here, that, that's going to help. Um, <clears throat> but having to kind of just um, lay down what, what do I think is the logical timeline behind that and just and, uh, and allow more time and more just patience, I think is something that if you don't feel that pressure, like if I was like, babe, come on, let's go. And just like nagging, I think the walls would maybe go up more than come down at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing that I, I think is really important to understand is that words don't fix it, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times we get worried about what can I say? I don't know what to say. Am I saying the wrong thing? Am I saying the right thing? And I have people who ask me, how do you know what, you know, what do you say? <laughs> half the time I don't, right? Even as a therapist, half the time it's being with someone and connected to them. Mm-hmm. And what I can tell you about the brain is that we can only be regulated or dysregulated. There's no, it's a switch, right? Like it's like a light switch. And so if you're in regulation, you're calm, you're relaxed, and you're able to make healthy bonds. That's when oxytocin is released, which is the same warm, fuzzy chemicals that happen when you're nursing baby, right? Like those warm fuzzies when you bond. That can't happen when you're in dysregulation. And so one of the things that I think is the, my favorite parallel to brain science and scripture is that perfect love casts out fear because that's literally your brain chemistry. You cannot be in healthy love and fear at the same time. And now that takes time to de-escalate out of, but even having somebody be with you in the moment brings you down out of that fear because you can't be in the same place, those two places at the same time. Yeah, I think that, that that's like a beautiful comparison. And like as you guys have talked, like we've, we've brought out like a lot of the practical things that we had talked about, we just haven't put the terms on them. Um, like Tally talked about, just, just the honesty. Like we wrote these out when we, when we met earlier, just the honesty of saying, listen, this is where I'm at right now. And I know it doesn't make sense, and, or maybe it doesn't make sense to you, but, but this is where I'm at. The, the community uh, of having someone, whether it's a, a spouse or whether it's a group of people or whether it's something that your church puts on, because we have lots of options for that. Like having like real community of people who understand and, are, and even if they don't, are with you. Um, the, the vulnerability part of opening up your life to somebody else. And we've talked a lot about um, like the physical side of it, but one of the things we brought up was just the acknowledgement that it is. It's a multifaceted thing. There's a physiological, there's a, there's a mental and emotional, and there's a spiritual part of it. And we definitely don't want to get away from this morning without addressing like the spiritual part of it as well, because we, we believe that that's a massive, massive part of this. And so um, one question I would ask, and, and if you could just answer kind of briefly... Um, like, what has, like, your relationship with Jesus, how has that impacted, like, your relationship with anxiety? Like, I know, Jeff, like, we talked, and I told you I was going to make you share this, um, but it was something that isn't seemingly spiritual, but had, like, very significant, like, spiritual ramifications with your relationship with anxiety. You know what I'm talking about? We're talking about the... Uh, fruit of the Spirit? Fruit of the, yeah. yeah. Um, after I first went on medications and I felt so much better, I made an off-the-cuff co- off comment Hmm, because everybody's been saying, come on, just don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, you know. And I'm going, it doesn't work, you know. And I was anxious, and I, I couldn't love because I, I just had to focus so much on myself. And there were so many things. I didn't have peace, patience, goodness. I had none of it. 
four or six weeks later, I was full of it. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> that was true all the time. Um, and I made the off-the-cuff comment that, wow, the fruit of the Spirit in a pill. Now, the person who heard me at the time had the same reaction at least half of you are having right now, which is, oh, that is bad. I shared it very recently. Actually, the person who heard that shared it outing me with Pastor Matt, and he loved it. He thought it was great, and I had to have him explain that one to me. And the idea is that, you know, I've been building my relationship with Christ for many years, nowhere near perfectly, um, and I go through this, and I can't connect. I just can't connect because there's a break in the bridge or there's a barrier on the bridge or something, and the meds fixed that. They allowed me to reconnect. And so he really liked it. So maybe some of you had that thought, but I think probably most had the first thought because it does sound kind of sacrilege. Right, but it's just, it's like we've been talking about, when we pursue Jesus with all of who we are, all of our mind, all of our heart, all of our emotions, all of our soul, um, we use whatever we have available to us to further that relationship with Jesus to become more like him. And I think, I don't know, I don't know who needed to hear that, but just permission, like it's okay. Like if, you, if, if medication will help you follow Jesus better, man, go for it. Why in the world would we not, right? Uh, because we all uh, have a desire to, I, I believe, and um, we need to use what's available to us as we do that. Can I go back to something that you asked earlier? Um, what are some things when you are feeling that paralyzed and, and you don't feel like doing anything, you don't want to do the things that make you feel better? Set the bar low. If you're thinking, i got to go work out at the gym for an hour and it's a half hour away, you're not going to do it. Okay. Do five push-ups if you can. It sounds silly, but just... Do something. Jog around your house. I did that. Um, when you're brushing your teeth, do squats. <laughs> you're killing two birds with one stone. And part of your fear when you're in this is that you're not using your time absolutely perfectly, and you obsess over that. So for anybody out there who has had this struggle, set the bar low and just do something to feel like you've made, had an accomplishment. Well, I think that that actually, like, can bring us to, like, where we want to land this thing is, like, just one, like, practical, like, if you had one last thing to share with the congregation, like, from your perspective in relationship with anxiety, like, what would it be? And so Jeff's like, man, just start a little bit. That's totally, that's totally okay to do. Um, and so, Josh, as someone who maybe doesn't wrestle with it but has someone that you love who does, and one thing for those people out here in the same boat as you. I think it's kind of... Uh, going back to what I was talking about, just letting go of my timeline. Mm. Um, and then also just being like, my role is to be part of the solution, not be the solution. I think I, I put too much pressure on myself sometimes. Like, this is up to me, and I kind of forget that, like, God has a part in this whole situation. Mm -hmm. um, so just being part of the solution is maybe what I would suggest. Yeah. And also... Like, you may not have anxiety and, and stuff like that, but I, I guarantee someone close to you does, even if they haven't shared it with you. Yeah. So just having, like, an open mind and just a willingness to go down that path with someone, I think, and just being, being a support. Which is so biblical, right? That's what we see Jesus do all the time. People are willing to share, like, the tougher parts of themselves with him because of who he was, and we need to follow suit. Tally? 
Um, I would say let people in. Ask for help. Receive the help. Um, this is a physical issue. It's also a spiritual issue. And the enemy twists that all into a big mess of isolation. Like, I feel isolated by this issue, and then I isolate myself because, yeah, it's just a big, it's a mess. Um, letting people in and receiving their help has been um, one of the biggest things. Um, I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface today. Um, there's a lot more that I would be happy to share. I feel like we're, we're starting a conversation that is such a relief to me that our church is starting. Last week when I sat through the sermon, I was texting Josh. I was like, all the emojis of like crying and happy and like I feel seen and known and I'm grateful that we as a family are starting this conversation and I'd be happy to continue it with any of you. Um, there's a lot more that... Um, I could share, and I won't for the sake of time, but let people in. Um, let them love you as you are. You're not a burden. Um, yeah. Um, I think one thing, you know, one thing I wanted to add, so I love set the bar low. I also think it's important to recognize that we're talking about some pretty severe anxiety that's keeping us in bed, keeping us um, unable to function on a daily basis. It can look differently to have anxiety and you could be sitting there going, well, I mean, I can get out of bed and get to work, but maybe you're disconnecting from people around you and not engaging in relationship because you're afraid of what people will think or going out in public looking a certain way or, uh, you know, and so it can be things that we mask very well. So even though you feel like, you, well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, disabled that gravely by this, so maybe it's not that big a deal, maybe I don't have anxiety as they're talking about it, but there's a whole spectrum, okay? So if it is disrupting your relationships, your life in any way, that is something to get some support for. Do something. Yeah, yes, Don't absolutely. just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That actually is a definition of insanity. Right, and the other thing I would say is if you're somebody who's wanting to figure out how do I support better, I sat in the rescue conference a couple of years ago, and Mike Foster was talking about the role of a Christian. And I was sitting next to my dad, and, he, and, and what Mike Foster said was, our job as people of faith is to hold sacred space for people. Okay, holding sacred space doesn't include words. It includes presence. And I leaned over and I told my dad, if everyone in the church globally did this, I'd be out of a job. And I'd find something else to do, because that would be the dream. If we can do that for each other and learn to hold that sacred space in a way that's non-judgmental and open, that's the ministry that you have as a Christian. And so, long story short, every person has a next step to take out of this conversation. It's just the beginning, like they said. My goodness, we could be here for days, months, years. <laughs> but I think based off of what we talked about today, everyone has like a next step because Jesus is peace. He desires for us to live in that truth. But that road's gonna look kind of different person to person, um, and we all have a responsibility to shape that worldview of anxiety in a Christ-centering way. Would you just appreciate these people and their willingness to, to share with us today? Thank you guys so much. And I don't know how all this has hit you, um, but I think we would be 
dumb to get past this and not have an opportunity to respond in some way. And so I'd like to invite the band back up. We're going to sing one more song of worship together, just a song of victory of who Jesus is, that he is with us no matter what. And uh, we'd encourage you to maybe just think through some of the things that we've talked about. Maybe you've never really been willing to call it out before. Maybe it's something you've never thought of before. Maybe you felt really unequipped for a long time on how to be there for people in your life. Um, Whatever it is, like we can give that to Jesus because he is the prince of peace. He is our peace and he has promised to be with us no matter what. Uh, If you weren't here last week, we started uh, a new kind of chapter, I guess, in this series called Let's Talk that we've been going through. Um, We have spent time talking through a few issues that we deal with, that they're a part of our regular lives, um, but that sometimes we shy away from in the church, whether because it's awkward or maybe we're not all quite on the same page or whatever. Um, We've spent time talking about a few uh, issues that oftentimes we want to shy away from. And uh, last week, we began this conversation on anxiety and uh, something that touches each and every one of our lives in different ways, for sure. And um, today we have the opportunity to hear from some people who have varying degrees of relationship with anxiety, and we get to hear uh, some of how they continuously submit that to Jesus, walk through that with him as their uh, singular focus. And uh, last week, uh, Matt did a fantastic job of setting the stage, kind of laying a foundation, giving us a lens to look through as we look at anxiety so that we can see it clearly for what it actually is. Um, When I say the word anxiety, all kinds of things might come to your mind, might rear their head in your heart, um, and we need to see it clearly so that we can walk through it well. And Matt, he he gave this great, great statement that I literally went and just copy and pasted into my notes, Uh, and I just, I want to read it to you right now because I think it gives us a very good platform to work off of as we hear, as we listen, as we're confronted with the truth that these people are going to share today. And it says this, God's desire for your life is not to live in bondage to anxiety, but to be transformed, reflecting the mind and heart of Jesus. I want us all right now to be clear that the Bible's holistic, functional view of humanity implies that we should stand against anxiety using the tools that address all aspects of our personhood. Medication to address the brain, psychology to address the mind and emotions, Bible and spiritual habits to address the spirit, And then he says this, which I just keep this in mind as we talk through stuff this morning. As followers of Jesus, we are responsible to cultivate a Christian approach to anxiety. And in that pursuit, we may also include the study of extra biblical knowledge that supplements and does not contradict scripture. Uh, We believe, we believe as a church, as followers of Jesus, that he is our peace. We believe that wholeheartedly. We believe that because that's what he says. In John chapter 14, verse 27, says this, peace I leave with you. This is Jesus talking. This is after a conversation, how he's promising his followers, my spirit is going to come be with you. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus says it in no uncertain terms like that he is our peace, but living in that truth is a process, right? Trusting God at what he says, even when it's true, it's because it's always true, oftentimes is a process, it's a journey, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily look the same for everyone. So we believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is our peace, but we think that we need to 
have an honest, open conversation about anxiety, about the pursuit of peace, so that we can actually live in the truth that this scripture promises us. Because so often, as people, I think we're just bent this way, uh, we tend to live in extremes, right? We tend to either swing to one side or swing to the other. And there's probably lots of reasons for doing that. One of them is, like, at least there's people on one side or the other. I mean, you'll have enemies, but you'll also have friends because you'll be in the same camp, right? And I think as a church uh, and as followers of Jesus, we tend to live in extremes when it comes to anxiety. Either we fall into the camp of saying, like, it's a purely spiritual issue. If you prayed more, if you had more faith, if you did the right things, if you memorized more scripture, then you wouldn't have these problems. I know we'd never say it like that overtly, but that's oftentimes what the church is thinking. Or we fall into the opposite extreme. We say, hey, it's a biological, physiological issue. You need the right medication. You need the right counseling. You need to get your chemicals balanced. And if you do that, then, then, then you'll be able to move forward from anxiety. What I keep seeing in Scripture is that when people want to fall into the extremes, Jesus always offers a different way. He offers a Jesus way. It's not even a middle way. It's just a different way. And I think that's really important for us to keep in mind as we talk through these people's relationship with anxiety, your relationship with anxiety, is Jesus does not call us to live in extremes. He calls us to walk his way, which is going to look really, really different. And as I was thinking and, and, and praying and as we've talked as a group, uh, my mind kept coming to this one verse in uh, the book of Revelation. It's in Revelation chapter 12, and there's just this like massive spiritual throwdown where uh, the, the enemy is defeated. And here's what it says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come down, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He's talking about the devil. It's a name that's given to the devil of the accuser. And man, if anyone in here has any kind of relationship with anxiety, what a perfect description for the devil, right? The accuser who accuses them day and night before our God. He's been thrown down. And then it tells us how the people have overcome him. And they have conquered him by two things, by the blood of the lamb, by what Jesus has done first and foremost, laying down his life so that we could have relationship with God so that we could have forgiveness of our sins, so that we could live in victory, a life of continual transformation to become more and more like Jesus. We've conquered him by the blood of the lamb, first and foremost, and then a second part, and by the word of their testimony. And in a very real way, what we're hearing today is we're hearing the words of testimony from these people, of how God has been with them, how God has continued to show them with greater and greater clarity how to walk through anxiety in their lives, whatever it may look like. There's a lot of power in testimony. And so I'm really excited to, uh, to interview these people and get to hear what they have to say. Uh, but would you just take a moment and can we pray for these people? Um, there, there's, it's a lot of bravery to get up here and to share such a vulnerable spot in, in your life uh, with a group, especially this large. So can we just pray for them? And then we're going to get to hear some of their stories. Jesus, we love you so much. Uh, God, we really, really thank you for uh, these people's willingness to share their heart to share uh, their journey and their experience um, of dealing with something that oftentimes maybe seems very unspiritual, but, they, but we know is rooted in uh, spiritual things as well as physical things. And God, uh, we just ask that um, you would be with their, their hearts and minds as they communicate. Lord, help them to, to have clarity in what they want to share. And God, we just pray that uh, as we leave this place today, we will have a better understanding of all of our individual, unique relationships with anxiety, and how to continuously surrender those things over to you. 
God, I pray that as we leave, uh, we'll be different than when we walked in today. We love you and we thank you. In your awesome name, amen. All right, so uh, up on the stage, we have a wide variety of relationships with anxiety. And uh, I think that today, probably if you're sitting in the, in the room, there's not a single person in here who will say, oh, I can't identify with something up here. And so I think that it's gonna be really, really helpful and we're gonna get some really practical, helpful things as we walk out of here uh, this morning. And so kind of wanted to start with this. Um, if you would just introduce yourself and, and tell our congregation a little bit about your relationship with anxiety, kind of where it's been and, and where it's come from. And actually, we'll start on this side this time, start with uh, Courtney. So do you want to tell us a little bit? So my name's uh, Courtney Kaufman. I am a marriage and family therapist and uh, lead a team of therapists over at Family Concern Counseling, which is a, youth for, a, a part of Youth for Christ. So we share a parking lot with you guys. We're neighbors. Um, and so I've been in mental health for more than 10 years in the field in some way. And um, I'm here kind of as a, as a helper, kind of a voice. But I think I, I like to start with the fact that anything we talk about in the mental health realm, we're talking about typical emotions that every human experiences, but they get blown sort of out of proportion, right? So fear is actually a really good thing. It keeps you alive, right? A little bit of anxiety when you're going to do something is actually really propelling. But when it becomes debilitating, when it becomes something that disrupts relationship, you know, the ability to get up in the morning, um, you're not able to kind of go and do the things you need to do, that's when it really becomes an issue. And so we all have a relationship with anxiety in some way. Sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's, it's a little easier. Um, and so even I, right, we all do that and we all have that, that I, talk, I call them shame gremlins, that sort of chirp and tell you all of these things, accuse you of things. Uh, we all have that and it's sort of how does that impact you and, and what's going on um, in your daily life. I think it's great to have Courtney as kind of, uh, I mean, she, would, she wouldn't call herself this because she's too humble for that, but kind of like the professional voice of someone who you, you have lots of conversations with people all the time who either have loved ones who struggle with anxiety or do struggle with anxiety themselves. And so she has a lot of like uh, helpful, objective truths, I think, that are, that are things that we can uh, take and we can use uh, outside of this place. We are Tally and Josh Bellaconi, and I will share from the perspective of experiencing anxiety, and Josh gets to share from the other side. Um, and my relationship with anxiety um, started when I was three years old, um, and there's a variety of factors in my story. There's um, genetics, there's earlier childhood traumas, um, and it's been, um, let's see, it took, it took until Josh and I, um, had after, after we had gotten married, um, to kind of uncover um, the fact that anxiety was disrupting um, me being able to function in a healthy way. Um, growing up, uh, my parents did all that they could to come alongside me and support me um, and rule out the physical um, causes that could be like causing me to have a racing heart and um, episodes where I felt like I was gonna pass out. And um, so we, we worked through eliminating like the, the physical route and that wasn't there. And then it was after Josh and I um, got married that we were able to 
kind of get to the root of things. About eight years ago, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, which Matt talked about last week. Um, and that is coupled, for me, that is coupled with panic disorder and depression. Um, and it's a beast. <laughs> yeah, so my, I'm Josh. My kind of role in this scenario is just as the support um, for someone that deals with anxiety and and depression and stuff. Um, so for me, <clears throat> I kind of wasn't prepared for um, that. I hadn't like grown up thinking, hey, I'm going to get married to someone that, you know, deals with, we all have things that we struggle with. Um, I wasn't, so my process is just kind of learn as you go scenario. Uh, we kind of, like she, she mentioned, we took the next steps and kind of just figuring out some more details and, and and kind of honing in on what actually it was once we got married. So we, I've just kind of been in the process the whole way along. Um, and so that's kind of my role is just being the, uh, the spouse, the support that um, has no clue what to say in the moment <laughs> ever. Um, so just, but you've learned. <laughs> yeah. Started out by saying too much, too many wrong things, and then kind of working your way backwards from there. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, like, go ahead, Tally. <laughs> I do want to say, though, the thing that's been so helpful with Josh is he has been, like, whenever we've pursued, okay, should we try counseling next? Should we try medication next? Should we try a shift in our diet next? He has... That's my least favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes. But he has been, like, the best teammate in... Um, I have never felt alone, even in, as we muddled along to find, you know, the and way I, forward. Yeah, and I think, I think it's, we're really blessed to get to hear their story because, um, like, if you're in a position maybe where you're kind of identifying with Tally where you're like, man, this has been a part of my life for a long time, maybe didn't even know what to call it for a long time, um, maybe you're kind of in some of that discovery right now, um, that can have, like, really far-reaching consequence, Right. Or maybe you're sitting out there and you're in the position of Josh where you're like, man, I have a child or I have a spouse or I have a coworker, someone in my life where I can see that this is disrupting their life and I don't know what to do. Sometimes I feel like I'm making it worse. Um, but these are, this is a great voice to help us kind of have a clear picture of, of what to do, whatever side you're, you're a part of in that. Thank you, guys. My name is Jeff Bradshaw and... Uh, I just want to tag on a little bit. The person who is closest to the one suffering uh, has a really rough road because you can't do anything. And you can't really even identify unless you've had it yourself. And it's exhausting. I know I exhausted my wife because um, all I wanted to do was talk about it. And you get tired of hearing about it, trust me. <clears throat> anyway, um, my experience really goes back to when I was very little also, but not that I had it. My mother uh, had... Uh, anxiety and depression very severely to the point that she was institutionalized and they were going to do a frontal lobotomy on her. When um, my father found out about that and their, their psychiatrist or whoever said, get her out of there. So she had to act her way out. Um, but she struggled with it her entire life. Uh, she really didn't want to use any medications. I think she finally did at the end, uh, towards the end of her life, but uh, she had, it was a rough go for her. And my brother went through it a uh, good bit before me. I thought I'd bypassed it. I thought somehow I'd managed to avoid it. Even though, I, looking back, I had some periods of severe anxiety, but they were very clear. 
And when the problem went away, they would go away. And then in adulthood, I have a type of job where you got to be prepared. Sometimes you're going to lose your job. And when I did, it didn't go well. <laughs> uh, you know, I had people say, well, you're unemployed. You should be anxious. Not like this. There's really two different words. I mean, there should be two different words for normal anxiety and what sufferers of general anxiety disorder, panic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder. I have two more, so I win. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and it's a very, very different animal. And so you feel very paralyzed, and you don't have any idea how well you're hiding it. I had so many people come up to me after the first service going, I had no idea. I said, yeah, I've discovered that. Um, but when I, I did lose my job one time, and then I got another job, and it was a decent job, it didn't go away. I was st everything my boss said to me caused me to start sweating. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. I mean, he could smile at me and say something. It just seemed so plastic. It, it just didn't matter. I was a mess, and that's when I finally... Uh, decided I would go see a counselor one day and my physician the next day. And I ended up on a medication. And four weeks later, I was doing so much better. And did that for 10 years. Really almost kind of forgot what it was like. But they do have side effects. And I wanted to get away from them. One in particular, any MDs out there, I know, you're going to sit there and go, that's not true. It doesn't cause that. But there's a lot, there's a ton of evidence out there. And there's a ton of evidence right here is weight gain. Yes, the pun was intended. Um, and um, so I went off, I gradually weaned off the med, and uh, I did well for about nine months. And then there was a little hiccup at work, and that I had a few warning shots that, maybe you should go back on. I tried to keep going, and I ended up about a year ago really in the hole. Uh, just would cry before going out the door to go see customers. Um, and again, driving my, my poor wife crazy. And so you can't make decisions. It's just an awful experience. But, you know, over time, and when I went back on the med, it didn't work. That was the kicker. It only worked a little bit. And so it's been about a year of trying to line out which med. And yes, reading devotionals by people who have struggled with this and crying out to God, and continuing to come here even when I really didn't feel like it, and doing the other things, believe it or not, getting some exercise, and doing some of the other things that you need to do. But the, the, the clearest for me, in my case, really was the meds. And I think, and you're going to hear this uh, a few times throughout the course of our conversation, like that's one of the things God has made available to us, and it's not a solve-all, but it's part of the process, and we need to not be afraid of that. Sometimes the church, if we're being honest, has had this not great track record of being like, well, you can't take medication because that means you don't really trust God, and that's just not the case. Uh, Matt said that last week, just want to reiterate it this week. It very much could be part of the process for you, and we don't want to be afraid of that. And so, Jeff is... Um, he kind of represents another unique, like, relationship with anxiety in that it was brought on by, like, a situation at first and then continued to be a thing. It's something that uh, I think Tally and, and Jeff both would say it has swings, and sometimes it's going pretty well, sometimes going pretty difficult. And uh, we just want to be able to, like, be honest about that. Um, 
No one's immune from, like, struggle. Uh, I even think of, like, Paul in the New Testament where he talks about this, like, thorn in his side, and no one really knows what it is, but we know that he cries out, like, three times, and he's like, hey, I really want you to take this from me, and God's like, no, um, but I'm enough for you as you walk through it, and both of them are just great, great examples of that. So let's, let's give uh, kind of our group a little bit of maybe in, insight they haven't had before of, like, what does, like, anxiety when it's disrupting your life, like, what does that look like for you? Like, Tally, do you want to kind of start us off with that? Sure. Um, so going back to what Kyle shared at the beginning, how so often there's these two extremes of, um, that we see like in our, in our friend groups and then also here in the church of, um, maybe running to medication first instead of trying the other five things, which Courtney will talk about that are like critical pieces of this puzzle. Um, so there's running to medication first and then there's being super anti-medication and, because um, there are those two extremes, and I have experienced that tension, um, finding my way has been pretty tricky. Um, one, I will give you, speaking of being honest, I'll just lay it out there. Um, so about five years ago, after um, ch- changing my diet, getting exercise, um, living in community, doing all the things, um, there's still a missing puzzle piece. And Josh and I were in agreement about that. And so we decided to pursue medication, which was, I battled a lot of <clears throat> fear, ironically, about starting this medication. Um, I also battled a lot of shame. Um, it, I can't even put into words like the amount of grit that it took to take that first dose. Um, and within a few days, I was my body was experiencing a lot of um, like weird sensations and I became convinced that I was having a life-threatening allergic reaction and um, Josh was out of town at this particular time and so I reached out to our dear friends, the Whitefords and actually Allison Whiteford um, came over with Hannah and Hannah watched the kids who at this point I was convinced I was dying, so I was like saying bye to them like I was, and I know it sounds ridiculous now, but in the moment, it was real. My tongue, I could feel that it was swelling. It wasn't, but this is what anxiety can do. Um, Every, everything that you can possibly feel in your body was happening, and um, before this point, this was about five years ago, some like peers had seen me at my worst, and they still loved me, which was like such a huge um, step for me to, like, let people into that. So peers had seen me, like, older, like, you know, aunt-type figures or grandma figures had seen me at my worst, and they still loved me, but to have Allison come alongside me in that, and she's younger, and it just, I felt horrible, and so, like, full of shame and frustration and anger, and she drove me to the ER, and, um, like I said, I was convinced This was it. And when you're in a state of dysregulation, like there is no grabbing onto rational thinking. Um, It's just, it's not possible. And so um, we, the whole way there, Allison was praying for me and um, got checked in. And of course my heart rate when they hooked me up to the monitor was like, you know, 170 or whatever. And um, had the sweetest, I know sometimes, Um, the ER can be really rough, but the Lord (laughs) 
totally um, was in that moment, and I had a very, very caring doctor, and she looked me in the eye and was like, you're not the first person this has happened to, that the actual taking the first doses of an anti-anxiety medication can, can kind of put you into this tailspin. And um, she was so sweet. Um, all along, Allison's still in there praying. And um, there was, I mean, just so many pieces that day that brought me kind of to this, like, um, it was kind of a turning point. There, I was internally battling the piece of, like, um, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I shouldn't be struggling in this way. I'm a Christian, I shouldn't need help in this way. Um, and then, you know, also there's all these weird sensations happening in my body. It was just, it was a big mess, but it was a turning point because of the way that Allison spoke truth to me and still saw me as like, um, like, I think, okay, the biggest lie that the enemy tells any of us is that, like, God can't use us because of whatever struggle we have. And so to have someone in the room telling me, like, I still love you and you're still valuable was huge. Um, And so that kind of, um, that is how my journey with medication started. Thankfully, it didn't stay that way. Um, And I have with God's help and with the help of my husband and with the help of living in community and, and the help of counselors and my primary care physician, um, I'm still on medication. It has been my missing puzzle piece. Um, it's, um, and I can't even, like last Sunday when Matt was speaking, I was texting Josh all the like tear emojis and heart face emojis because I felt so seen and known and loved um, to know that this space, us as a family, can have this conversation, um, to know that we can kind of crack this open and find the Jesus way, as Kyle called it. Um, We don't need to um, be at odds with one another. We can trust that um, God's going to show us, you know, the next step. Yeah, and and like what Tally's hitting on, too, is one of the things that came out in our conversation beforehand was like some of the stuff that's like helpful in like walking through anxiety. And she's, she's basically describing like honesty and vulnerability, right? Like that's, that's what she's describing. Uh, like the willingness to like bring something that is, at least in our own minds, maybe something we don't want other people to see, out into the open, being honest and vulnerable with somebody else, and, and asking for the help that we need, which is a massive, massive part of this. And if you're sitting in the room and it's in you and you're like, I can't be honest about this with someone, man, now's, now's the time. Um, I think everyone up here would say, like, now's the time for sure. Yeah, can I add? So one of the things I hear you kind of saying a lot is should, mm-hmm. right? And so I also kind of mentioned like shame. Shame is the belief that I'm not enough, mm-hmm. right? So my shame gremlins will say things like, you're not old enough, you're not professional enough, you're not experienced enough, you're not Christian enough right? Like you're going to be found out and people are going to see who you are and they're going to reject you. And should is a really good indicator that we're starting to move into that thought pattern in our brains. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about what you're saying is, is exactly true. Words don't fix it, right? Like whatever somebody says to you, people get worried and they'll ask me, well, what do I say when they say this? You can't fix it. Words don't fix it, right? But what did fix it is somebody connecting mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. right? The best way to shut the shame gremlins up 
is by having truth given to you, which most of the time is somebody connecting with you in the moment of it. Um, and one of the things I said last week, or last, last ser- service. service, service, sorry, I got <laughs> a little o'clock. lost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> last session, it's not a session. Um, <laughs> the last service, one of the things I said was that your brain cannot be in regulation and dysregulation at the same time, okay? Regulation is I'm calmed, rela- relaxed, everything's working well, I'm using all of my critical thinking in my frontal lobe, right? When you're dysregulated, what that means is that you're in a high state of emotion, and so the thinking part of your brain literally shuts off. And you can't be in, the sa- in those two spots at the same time. It's a switch. And the interesting part is that we can't bond, and oxytocin is the chemical that kind of courses through your body when you're bonding with a new baby, right, and you're, you're nursing or something like that. So oxytocin cannot happen in your brain when you're dysregulated. So this is one of my favorite parallels when you're talking about scripture is perfect love casts out fear. That's literally your brain chemistry. You cannot be dysregulated and regulated at the same time. And so to have those moments of shame and then have somebody speak that you're worthy in that moment, that's one of the most powerful ways to help shut those shame gremlins up. I think that's just such a a beautiful like reiteration or like support that like when we talk about this, it's not just one thing or the other. It's not just a spiritual issue or just a physical issue. It's, It's both. And it takes all the tools that God has given us to be able to walk through these things, these things well. Um, so, Josh, um, like you weren't there for that particular story, but you have you have you kind of shared earlier that there's been times where you haven't done maybe such a great job in your own mind, or, and you've learned and grown through the process. So, like, what? How have you gotten better at supporting Tally, understanding, uh, being able to be there for her? Um, as your understanding of anxiety has, like, grown and and gained some clarity? Yeah, I think for me, um, when you're outside of that, you can think a little bit more, like, rationally, logically, I think. So it it took some time um, to kind of learn just the patience behind it. Uh, Like like last session, you uh, shared that. Like yesterday, we kind of were walking through something, and it was one of those things where I kind of knew the next step. Meaning I was struggling. Yeah, yeah. So the next step, kind of, I had, we were kind of just talking about it. We knew what needed to happen, getting outside, spending some time in the sun, you know, just outside with the kids. You were kind of not feeling it, just a little bit um, stuck in that moment. Um, And so, like, I, I knew, like, what the next step needed to be, but I also knew that you needed more time. Um, so you needed that 20 minutes to get there. Um, I think so. That's one of the things I've had to learn is uh, logically I can say, okay, we know what ne- is next. Let's just do it right now. Having to, um, like I said, release like what my timeline uh, is and, and give that over to, to like God and let like Tally work that out um, has been one of the things. Yeah, I mean, I think for if, if you're in that spot where maybe you're a helper or you uh, have someone in your life who, who struggles with this, the temptation is to just jump all over it like right at the beginning and try to fix it, right? Anyone who's married knows that that doesn't work in marriage, like period, uh, let alone when you have something like this at play. And uh, so like that patience, I mean, we see it all over the ministry of Jesus, that he was very patient with people who who needed that extra like time, needed that extra bit. And... Um, that's something that we can definitely take away as well. Um, do you have something, Jeff? An illustration or a, an analogy came to mind this morning, and it relates to what the supporting person can and can't do. 
About three years ago, I broke six ribs in nine places back here. And every time uh, the medical staff would move me, there was no not screaming. Okay, it just wasn't an option. And uh, at one point they were moving me and I grabbed the, the hospital bed railing and I heard, don't grab. And I noticed, you know, just could feel that there was a nurse's fingers in there. And so obviously she winced, which with my grip is surprising. Um, and so I let up and then I felt her put her hand in mine. Now that didn't take any of the pain away. She didn't tell me to be quiet. She didn't tell me it's just pain. She didn't talk to me. She didn't do anything. But I remember that, and I wanted to find out who that nurse was. Now, I, I think she felt my grip and went, no, he's not going to hurt me. So, um, but it was, it was just, and that's a good analogy for what the supporter can do. And I want to tag on a little bit. What does severe anxiety and panic attack feel like? At one point, during my last round, when it was really, really bad, I looked at my wife, Bobby, and I said, if I could move from where I am now to the side of the road in the dirt when they're moving me around and making me scream, I would take it. That's how bad it feels. And you cannot think when you're screaming. And that's what you're doing inside. Now, uh, Courtney brought up last time that you may not be there that it might be a lot more mild for you, but it's still impacting you. And as I fluctuated in and out through the last go-round, I was really able to look at that. And when it's kind of mild to moderate, it's much more insidious mm -hmm. because you believe it. You believe the way you're feeling, and you will tend to act on it, which is really not a good idea. Whereas when it's really over the top, it doesn't make it go away at all, but you can go, yeah, that's crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, man, that's so good. And so that, I think that serves as uh, like an encouragement to us in this room. Maybe, maybe you are in a position maybe like Jeff was where it's like, man, there's some circumstantial stuff that I can feel weighing on me and I don't know where it's going to take me. Like the sooner we use these tools that God has given us, um, the greater chance we have to walk through it um, without it causing as much damage as it does, which is awesome. Um, so we've talked through like a number of different uh, environments and situations and kind of maybe just even like attitudes that we can adopt as we walk through our relationship with anxiety, stuff like honesty. Um, we talk a lot around here about the importance of community. Um, that you need to do life with other people. Um, if you try to do this by yourself, you will fail every time. We know that to be true about all kinds of things. Um, the, the idea of being vulnerable and acknowledging like all three parts of it, like the mind, the body, and the spirit. And so I'd love to hear from you guys, like what have been like some things, like maybe, maybe it's included in those tools, maybe it's something outside of that, that have been really helpful for you as you have walked through anxiety and are your desire is to submit that to Jesus as you walk through it. So I can, I can start with, so I have a clinical supervisor who would always tell us that, so my, my, my thing I like to talk about is that self-care and self-comfort are different. So a lot of times what we turn to when we're in our tough spots, and the example I use is Netflix and ice cream, right? I'll watch eight hours of my favorite show and stay up super late and eat all the ice cream. But that doesn't actually get me to a healthier place. And so self-care and self-comfort are different. And self-care, one of my clinical supervisors always says it's five things. Sleep, sleep enough, right? Sleep the right amounts. Eat, 
and drink water, right? Good nutrition and water have a huge impact on the way that our brain operates. Um, move your body, right? And I love what, what Jeff said earlier, set the bar low. That could be a dance party for two minutes with your kids in the kitchen, right? That could be, I mean, I think you said five push-ups in the living room just when you just don't feel like it. Because it's hard to get yourself to do it. Right. Because you're in panic mode. You're afraid mm -hmm. that some doom is about to land on you. Yes. Are you out walking your dog when you feel like your family and you nope. are in immediate danger? No. So, or do you, should you go out and work out or something, get some, no. Mm -hmm. So set the bar really low. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, so move your body in some way. The power of this for anxiety is that your brain releases chemicals so that you can either fight off the danger or run away real fast, right? But the thing with anxiety is when we're stressed out, what do we do? We sit in it. We marinate in the adrenaline and the norepinephrine and the epinephrine and all of these you know, cortisol and all this stuff, and it sits in your body. And so we are designed to actually physically work it off. So the power of that cannot be lost, right? So sleep, eat, drink water, move your body, connect spiritually, connect with God, and connect with others. If you're doing those five things at any level, connect with others could look like making eye contact with the cashier in the grocery store. But doing those five things does drastic things for helping you function just a step better. So that's kind of where I like to start the conversation because it's holistic. We like to say, oh, it's the mind, or it's the body, or it's the spiritual. They're all connected, right? You start talking and it changes your thinking, which changes how you feel, right? You have one too many sodium ions in a brain cell, you start feeling anxiety, like they're, they're connected. So figuring out which one you could actually make movement on, setting the bar low and moving forward how you can. Is, one of, is a great way to start. And it's like, that's the sort of stuff, like we want, we want when we talk about anything for it to be helpful, right? If, if we're doing church and it's not helpful, then like what are we doing, right? Like we gotta, we gotta have like practical things that we can put into place in our lives. That's like five very, very practical things um, that we can try, that we can put into practice in our lives. I know there was a couple others. I know, uh, Jeff, there was one that didn't seem very spiritual, but actually kind of unlocked something inherently spiritual oh. inside of you. Um, <laughs> You're talking about the, 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 the Holy Spirit of, thing yeah, again? The well, actually, we've, yeah, I just also want to say long, deep breaths, and you can make that very spiritual. I got to where I was breathing out all of the anxiety and everything that was happening and breathing in one of the fruit of the Spirit and just really concentrating it. But the long, deep breath physiologically has a huge impact. So even if you didn't do that, I mean, before the first service, you know, feel a little nervous before coming up, I just took a couple deep breaths. I was fine. Um, it doesn't make you fine when you're deep in anxiety, but it does take a little bit of the edge off. Um, the one that Kyle's referring to is once I felt better the first go-round, it was very clear, it was very, you know, I was a little, a little disheartened, um, and, I, and I looked at the medication and I said, huh, the Holy Spirit in a pill. Yeah, I know, you're all going, oh. He's going to get struck by lightning. I, I think my wife thought the same thing. And so now it's 11 years later, and Matt gives the sermon last Sunday, and we're down here, and we're talking to him. And she decides to share that with Matt. <laughs> and um, he loved it. Kind of backfired. Um, he thought it was great because the illustration, and I, I had to have him explain to me why that's great. But he came up with the analogy that you've developed over your years of being a Christian, following Christ, you've developed a bridge. But when all this hits, there's either a barrier on the bridge or there's a section of the bridge that's broken. And when you get your brain chemistry right again, through 
the exercise that helps, through the diet that helps, and if you need through the medication that helps, that bridge is repaired. Mm -hmm. And you can go back to having that connection. Because I sat this last time, I sat in our family room at one point, and I screamed as loud as I could. Uh, I just needed a touch. I just, I didn't want it to go away. I did want it to go away. But it wasn't what I was asking for. And as far as I felt, I got nothing. And, and I've got to continue to work through that. Um, but, you know, a psych nurse friend of ours said, You're, you, you can't make that connection. So. Yeah, and it's just the, it's the reality that um, we have this relationship with Jesus. And it's a, like we said at the very beginning, it's a holistic relationship with Jesus. And so we need to make sure that we're using everything. Do you want to say one more thing, Tally? Yeah, what Jeff is referring to is, you know, we all experience the ebb and flow of stress, you know, stressful seasons of life and more peaceful seasons of life. And when you have an actual anxiety disorder, um, your seasons of regulation are sometimes, you know, hard to come by. Um, but... I want, to, I want to encourage all of you to continue to let people in. Um, it's only been through letting people in that I have found the help that I needed. Um, and it's been through the five things Courtney mentioned. Also for me, um, EMDR, which is a specific kind of therapy um, that has brought out um, past traumas and allowed my brain to reprocess them. Um, but all of these pieces of my puzzle were critical to get me to a place where I could read scripture and believe it as truth. Um, there, there have been seasons like you're, exactly like what you're talking about where um, my brain chemistry was not physically healthy enough to understand that hope is possible this side of heaven. And that's a really terrifying place to be. Um, so keep letting people in because that is how I um, was referred to a counselor and was um, able to pursue medication. And, I'm, and this struggle, like Jeff said, it's, um, I'm still in it. Josh mentioned um, a situation yesterday. I kind of hate that, but I um, am con choosing to continue to let people in um, and con continuing to pursue health in a holistic way so that my brain can um, believe truth and, and to have hope on this side of heaven. And really, I mean, that's what, when it comes down to all of it, like that's what we believe, that there's, there's hope for a life that looks more and more like Jesus every step of the way. And whatever thing it is that keeps popping up in your life, uh, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's someone in your life, maybe it's something different. Um, there is hope for us to become more and more like Jesus. And he's actually given us so many things to utilize uh, as we continue to like surrender that stuff to him. And we really want, we really want everyone in the room, I don't know how this hits you, um, <clears throat> I would assume everyone in here can identify with somebody up here, um, but I, I, would, I would say this, every single person in this room has a next step in front of them. Um, if anxiety has been a huge part of your life for a long time, um, maybe you have a step to like uh, go to the doctor or uh, get involved in some counseling. We're going to actually have some options that we're going to give to you at the end of the service. Um, if you have someone in your life who struggles with anxiety, maybe some of the things Josh said could be really helpful and some things you can put in place in your life. And maybe if you're in a spot where you're kind of a helper uh, to a degree like Courtney, these are things that we can help out with as well. And that uh, Jesus is with us 
every step of the way. And that's kind of how we want to end this morning. We're going to invite the band back up. We're going to sing one more song together, just declaring the truth that uh, Jesus is with us. Um, Whatever your relationship with anxiety is, Jesus is with us. Oftentimes, it can feel like we're walking through fires and floods and all kinds of different stuff. Um, But when it's all said and done, um, you are not alone. You're not alone. Jesus is with you. And actually, even more so, there are people in this church that are with you as well.